0: And uh, we'll be looking today primarily at verse 6 uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, a particular section called the Beatitudes. Uh, we've been going through this a few weeks. Um, by the way, this week, we'll, after this week, we'll pause, and the next few sermons will be uh, in regard to Advent. And so uh, they will be centered around the coming of Christ Uh, And so we'll be doing that over the next few weeks, and then we'll come back and jump in at verse 7 of the Beatitudes. So just to let you know uh, where we will be uh, for the next few weeks. As we've been going through this, one thing that we've uh, pointed out is that the citizens of the kingdom of God have particular characteristics. And these eight are those characteristics, Um, we notice in these things that what Jesus is speaking speaks of those who are in the kingdom of God. This isn't how to get in the kingdom of God, although the things we find there do help us see that, like being poor in spirit, the poverty of spirit that we must come to God, knowing we have nothing to offer. So we notice that those who are in the kingdom of God are those who have discovered and have come to realize because of the word of God, because of the gospel, uh, that we are guilty before a righteous God and we have need for a Savior and have found that Jesus is the only Savior who forgives our sins and gives us eternal life. But we've also discovered that those who are poor spirit, those who are in the kingdom of God, grieve their sin. They mourn their sin. They recognize that they are sinners. And the same God who reveals to us our sin is the same God who brings comfort to us in salvation. And so characteristically, we are comforted uh, and walk through this life in a comforted sense, knowing that we belong to the living God. We also find that it's characteristic of those who are kingdom citizens that they are meek. Uh, they're not defensive. They don't have to explain themselves in reference to their, uh, their living and their belief in the living God. They, instead, they know they are called by Him and they stand firm in that. And today we come to this one. Blessed are those who are who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied entitled today's message, Satisfied with the Righteousness of God. Satisfied with the Righteousness of God. The moral revolution of our day is putting on display the truth of the Word of God. I know that's kind of a weird way of looking at it, uh, but the, new, new, the moral revolution is putting on display the truth of the Word of God. The The revolution calls evil good, and that what is unnatural, natural. The Word of God speaks that. It it tells us that that's exactly uh, how people will think. The language of the revolution twists personal pronouns in such a way that an individual wants to be called they. Can you imagine the 911 call? The caller calls in. And says, or, and, and here's on the other end, 911, what's your emergency? There's been an accident and they're injured. The dispatcher says, How many are there? Just one. The dispatcher says, You said they. How many are injured? Caller said, I said there's only one. Can you imagine the dispatcher just scratching his or her head? Thinking, well, I'm really confused right now. Because we know that the personal pronoun they is plural. Kind of sounds like an Abbott and Costello radio comedy, doesn't it? Who's on first? What's on second? It's kind of where we are. Here's the point I... I want to make in the introduction in this part of the introduction righteousness matters every day righteousness matters every day it is unrighteousness or lawlessness that pushes such language and such thinking righteousness matters every day particularly and specifically God's righteousness matters every day. With such nonsense surrounding us, you would think that what is right would be easy to spot. But the media, corporations, and many of our elected government officials are eager eager to support the evil, unnatural and linguistic Nonsense. Not so with kingdom citizens. And that's something we need to understand from this beatitude. Blessed are those, rightly related to God, are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. As kingdom citizens, we recognize that abortion by any other names, like women's health care, is still abortion. We know that one born male is still male. One born female continues and remains for all their life, female. We seek to As in righteousness, we seek to stand against such things as abortion and against such things as transgender and homosexuality. We seek to teach our children to know the righteousness of God so that they will discern these things. The reason that such things exist as is going on with the moral revolution, is that the righteousness of God is ignored rather than hungered for by citizens of this world. But as citizens of the kingdom of God, we hunger for the righteousness of God. Why? We have found satisfaction from God And our passion in life is to know Him in the struggle to be like Him in the midst of this chaotic, sin-saturated, self-gratifying world. I'm going to say that again because I want you to get this part. We have found satisfaction from God, and our passion in life, there's hunger and thirst. Our passion in life is to know Him in the struggle to be like Him, in the midst of this chaotic, sin-saturated, self-gratifying world. So as we look at this beatitude, we need to know righteousness matters every day. God's righteousness matters every day. Or else we're lured away from Him into worldly thinking. Today, I want us to look at this, and I'm going to probably cut this a little shorter today than I usually do. Um, well, I'm, not probably, I am. Um, and, uh, but our, our three points are this. What is righteousness? What is righteousness? It's just a question, and I'm going to seek to answer that. Next, what does it mean to hunger and thirst? What does it mean to hunger and thirst? It seems like a strange question, but we're sitting here among people who haven't experienced much hunger and thirst that couldn't be gratified pretty quickly throughout our life. And the last, we are satisfied with God's righteousness. I'll conclude with that and give a couple of points of why that's important. So first, what is righteousness? Righteousness is a major theme in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, We find here in the verses that follow, verse 10, uh, it says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And it's important to understand that what we are passionate about what we hunger and thirst for, God's righteousness, has the potential. And actually, Scripture tells us that those who seek to follow God, seek to live righteously, will suffer persecution. So it says here that what what we're hungering and thirsting for Leads to a persecuted place, a place of not being liked, a place of being reviled. Uh, in verse twenty, it says this: "For I tell you, unless you uh, your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, which was rule following six hundred and thirteen laws of the uh, Old Testament uh, interpreted by uh, the rabbinic." Counsels and so forth, uh, unless your uh, righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of God. How do we exceed that? Through faith in Jesus Christ and living to be like him. So we see this theme going on that it's throughout here in chapter six, verse one of Matthew. Uh, It says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. Acts of righteousness. And he goes into talking about prayer and fasting in our our, our thinking about treasures and possessions and such things as this. And so he's talking about acts of righteousness and the the practice of righteousness. And uh, he's talking about religious activity rather than uh, relationship with the Father. And then in uh, verse 33 of the same chapter, chapter 6, it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. It seems that seeking after the righteousness of God is beneficial for the people of God. And so we see that thematically, righteousness is a major theme. And we're to hunger and thirst for righteousness, specifically God's righteousness. He's made his righteousness known, and he wants us to live by his righteousness. So we, we see that, that thought in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 Uh, verses 16 and 17. Paul says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, what? The gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So the righteousness of God is revealed. He has made known His righteousness. It's His righteousness, actually, uh, when understanding the gospel, that we see the righteousness of God in the pages of the Word of God and then in the proclamation of preaching. We see that the righteousness of God uh, reveals and makes known to us our sinfulness. We see that we don't measure up, that that actually we stand in stark contrast to the righteousness of God. So in this, the righteousness of God in salvation is going on. We see that. So uh, the, the righteousness of God has been revealed. It's been made known. And we're to live in righteousness and we do that through faith but that faith is not blind and that faith is not inactive that faith lives and we live out the righteousness of God we pursue that if you will so righteousness is the righteousness of God and salvation but it's also the desire in us For righteous living that is pleasing to God. We want to live in a way that pleases God. We see some of those things here in Matthew chapter 5. Because the things that follow, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, is mercy, purity of heart, being a peacemaker, being persecuted. That right there is the righteousness of God. That's living out the righteousness of God right there. Being merciful. Being a peacemaker. Being uh, pure in heart. Standing firm for the sake of righteousness, for the sake of Christ. So I was studying this and reading over this. It came to mind that there was a passage that I think helps us to understand this righteousness being lived out. And it comes from Paul out of Philippians chapter 3. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul says, I don't, I don't have any confidence in the flesh. I could have, but I don't. I don't put any confidence in the flesh. Instead, in uh, verse 7, he says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Paul said, I don't put confidence in the flesh. Man, I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. Man, I, as far as a Pharisee, man, they didn't find anything wrong with my living. But I'm not going to boast in the confidence of the flesh, the things that I could do in the flesh. I boast in Christ and the righteousness of Christ that is found in faith. So righteousness is the righteousness of God and salvation, the desire for righteous living to please God, but also the longing for righteousness everywhere. That was what Paul wanted. He wanted the gospel everywhere. And we want righteousness everywhere, and we realize that it's not. We realize that from uh, just the things that go on in, in, in in uh, in our culture and around the world. People reject the righteousness of God. Certainly the people of God, the citizens of the kingdom of God, should never reject the righteousness of God, but long to live in it. We hear longing in that hunger and thirst. What does it mean to hunger and thirst for righteousness? I mean, these are fundamental needs for us, eating and drinking. And so he uses an illustration that all of us can comprehend, all of us can understand. Hunger and thirst are uh, felt in our bodies and indicate a need for sustenance. Hunger is a good thing in in that sense. It tells us you need something to sustain you what sustains kingdom citizens it's a hunger and thirst for righteousness it's righteousness we want to consume that we want to live that in our lives as kingdom citizens our taste for the things of this world fade but they increase for the things of God, We want to taste and see that the Lord, he is good. He is. That's what Paul wanted. Going back over to Philippians chapter 3, there in verse 10, he says something that all of us, kind of look at that and say, I know that I want want to break that apart for you a little bit because I think he's describing what Jesus is preaching in Matthew 5, 6. I think he's describing the longing of hungering and thirsting for righteousness. In verse 10, he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. We look at this, we see that Paul has already stated that he lays aside the things that if retained would deprive him from Christ, the things of this world, the things of his pride, the things of the confidence in the flesh. And here he's saying in verse 10 that he wants to experientially know Christ as Savior, friend, counselor, intercessor, master, king. He wants Jesus. To be everything in his life. He says, that I may know him, that I may gain his perfections and graces. Is that your aim? Do you want to just be better in terms of grace? and behavior than your neighbor, that's too low. It's too low of an aim. Paul is saying here he wanted to gain the perfections and graces of Christ. He wanted to uh, be like Him. John in First John, I believe it's chapter 2, says that those who have the aim or the hope that comes from the gospel, purify themselves just as Jesus is pure. Not the purity of the most pure person that you know, but the purity of Jesus. That's the aim. That's the pursuit. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are not looking, uh, hungering for a substandard righteousness but a holy, divine righteousness. Something in us. Spirit of God. Salvation. The eternal longing that God puts there that we should hunger for Jesus. I thought about a pie illustration right there, but I decided against it. I mean, as kingdom citizens, we want the scent of Jesus on us. That's what we want. We want to smell like him. My grandmother wore some of the Strangest smelling perfume you could ever imagine. I don't know what it was, but if you were wearing it, I would know it. And my grandmother, man, we'd come over to the house, and it didn't matter when it was, she had it on. And she would hug you, rest of the day, you smelt like that woman. I mean, you've had that all over you and you could not get it off. Everywhere you went, people were going. <laughs> but the scent of Jesus is a sweet aroma to the people of God. But it is death to those who are perishing. That's why blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness' sake. I want the scent of Jesus on me. I want to smell like Him. I want it to be discovered by the people around me and the people that have known me all my life that I'm becoming more like Jesus. Jesus. That's what Paul's saying with this. I want my righteousness not to be from following the rules of the rabbis. But I want my righteousness to flow from faith in the living God. He says here, that I may know the power of his resurrection. I want to know this. I want to know the righteousness of Christ and the power of his resurrection. His resurrection proved that sin had been defeated at the cross, death couldn't keep him, so he rose. He overcame the penalty of death or of sin. And that points back to the cross and say, what happened on that cross, the work that He did on that cross was effective to forgive your sin. Because He bore the wrath on that cross. And Paul's saying, I want to know that it was sin that was broken there. Paul's saying he wants the power over sin in his life. That's what he's saying with that little phrase to know the power of the resurrection. I want to know the power over sin. Do you hunger for that? Do you hunger for, for sin to die in your life? He says here, I want to I share in his sufferings and may, may share in his sufferings, he says. Righteousness through faith produces suffering of the flesh. He, he's not suffering in a substitutionary way. He's becoming like him in his death. He's killing sin, putting it to death. And I expect, Paul is saying, the sufferings that I have endured and that I will endure. In other words, my hunger for Jesus. may bring me to a place where I suffer for him. And that will be a joy. Jesus actually says it for those who are persecuted. Rejoice and be glad. Why? Yours is the kingdom of heaven. That's greater than anything else. Paul is saying in this, I want to just be empty of myself and to be full of Jesus. Jesus is saying, blessed in right relationship with God are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They hunger and thirst for the things that are pleasing to God. They hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God to be spread throughout the world. As we close this, I I want to just talk about this for a moment to be satisfied. What's satisfying? Aren't there so many things that are, that are satisfying? Anytime I think of that word or I think of hunger and thirst, and I think of those things. I can't help it. I think of food. I made some sourdough cinnamon rolls the other day. Oh, my. Oh, me, oh, my. Those things were good. They tasted good. I was satisfied. I was so satisfied that I had another one. satisfaction with something causes you to want it more. For they will be satisfied. This hungering and thirsting is not something that ebbs and flows. It is something that is part of our DNA as believers in Jesus Christ. We're hungry for Him more and more. I mean when something is satisfying, you go back to it. And you keep going back to it. The problem is you so many have said, you know, I've tried Christianity, I've tried Jesus, it just didn't work for me. It's kinda like you weren't satisfied. So they didn't go back. You see, they're expecting some satisfaction that comes from the world. But the satisfaction that comes from the living God is overwhelming to the one who has tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Come, everyone who thirsts, Isaiah said. Come to the water and drink. Jesus said on the last day, If anyone is thirsty, come to me. And out of his inmost being will flow rivers of living water. You'll be satisfied. You won't want to stop drinking from this fountain. Whether life is good or life is tumultuous. The living water of God. Satisfies. It's so important because righteousness, the righteousness of God, matters every single day. Because if it's not lived out, you end up with a society and a culture that looks much like the one that we live in today. And the Bible instructs us as believers that we're to stand in stark contrast to the world. Nobody will ever discover that you are becoming more like Jesus if you have the scent of the world on you. So we're satisfied in Him. This righteousness that lives to please God, this righteousness that comes from faith, it has another very important result to it, purpose for it. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. You underline that and you write out beside it, righteousness. Because that's the will of the Father, that we live righteously. He goes on, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? Didn't we go to church? Didn't we teach Sunday school? Didn't we get all the perfect attendance little pins that hang down? Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about with that one. Then we do all the right stuff? He goes on. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Underline that word lawlessness. Except for Josh. Josh, don't underline it. Underline that word, lawlessness, and right out beside it, unrighteousness. What's law based on? That which is right. What's Jesus saying? I didn't know you. How do you know? You don't have my scent. You didn't do the will of the Father. You didn't walk in righteousness. It wasn't the pursuit of your heart. The passion of your life was you. The passion in your life were things. The passion of your life was not my righteousness. You didn't seek to do the will of the Father. You didn't hunger and thirst for God's righteousness. You hungered and thirst for your own righteousness. And that will not get you into the kingdom of heaven. On the other hand, there are those who do the will of the Father. They do the will of the Father in that they live out the good works that God planned beforehand for them to live out. They live out the things of mercy and peace and purity of heart. And they're pursuing those things. Uh, if you will, listen to Paul one more time. There at the, in that same passage in Philippians chapter 3, in verse 12, he says, Not that I've already obtained this, or am already perfect. Can't we all say that with Paul. Can we all say, man, I'm not perfect. I had not attained these things. These are things I'm in pursuit of. He's alive writing these things. He's in pursuit of the death of sin and the power of God and the newness that comes with the righteousness of God. He's in pursuit of those things. He said, I had not got it all yet. I haven't obtained it yet. But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me His own. I keep pressing on. I keep seeking. I keep hungering and thirsting for the righteousness of God. That's a kingdom citizen. A kingdom citizen. says, what matters to me most is the pleasure of God in me. What matters most is the glory of God. Through me. What matters most. More than anything. Is that God would be exalted. And known. By everyone around me. Because I choose. And am compelled. To live by righteousness. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Because the righteousness of God matters every single day. Teach your children to pursue the righteousness of God. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you. That, Lord, you have made yourself known. To us that we would call on Jesus Christ. And be saved. And Father at the cross. You did not abandon us to know. What is your will. But instead Lord. You have given us your word. That we may know your will. And know your pleasure. And know your desire for us. And that our desires Lord would be transformed. That we would be. And seek to become like Jesus in every way. Lord, we thank you for the goodness that you have shown us. The care, the kindness, the mercy that you've poured out to us. And I pray, God, that we would make known your goodness. By being merciful and peaceful. Even those who make peace. That we would seek purity of heart. And Lord, that we would not be swayed from the faith we hold in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.